All right, Joshua chapter number 7, let's read from verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. That was a... Anyway. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shepherim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we'd been content and dwelt on the other side, Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Now I'm going to stop reading there because you know already the end of the story, you know what happens how that Achan is identified as the one. I don't want to focus on Achan in this uh, brief time. Uh, I want to look at Joshua, and I want to talk to you this morning about what I call ministry setbacks. When things happen in the ministry, that just seems to set you back. I was preaching in the north of uh, Thailand around about five hours drive from my home. About a month ago, a Thai pastor up there had asked me to come and speak at a uh, sort of a family camp or the emphasis wasn't on family. It was the local church was gathering up there in a national park area. And and so he asked me to come and preach and I went up there to preach and uh, I was uh, teaching on various things and I would speak and he would interpret. My Thai is I don't know what percent, but not sufficient to just, just be able to preach in Thai. So I would, I would preach and he would, he would interpret and I would preach and he would interpret. And I was teaching a session and I made the statement. And so I'm here and the Thai pastor's there and his people are there and I would make a statement 
he'd make a statement. And I said something like this. I said, all churches, now you're going to see I'm talking to a group of Thais here from this church. I said, all churches have problems sometime. And then he goes, talk about me. And then he stopped and he said, he got halfway through it. He said, all churches have and he turned and he said to me, all churches? In English, all churches? Now suddenly there's like there's no one there. And I'm saying, all churches? And he says, our church? I said, uh-huh. We're having it, this is not good, you know. And, and, and I'm saying, uh-huh. And he says, we are having problems? And I said, well, I'm not saying you're having them now, but you're going to have them. Believe me. All over the world, believe me, people have them. And he goes, okay. And he turns around and gives a message. And I, 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 you know, I finished the message, but I went back to my room and I just kept scratching my head about that all the time. I just, I just couldn't get out of my mind him turning around and going, all churches. And I was, I was said to some of our people, I said, maybe he hasn't had a problem yet. I said, but if he hasn't, it's coming. He's not going to escape. You know, I've, I've preached in a lot of countries around the world. I haven't been to a church yet that hasn't had a setback in their ministry. Things happen. If you're a missionary, you've had some things happen that have set you back. Now, it's all very well to be uh, analytical about it and, uh, and, to, and you know, to, to make a message about it and give some thoughts about it. But really, when it's happening to you, it's quite devastating. You know, when something happens to your ministry that usually you were not expecting and then, bang, this thing happens... And it's like it sets you back. You feel like Joshua felt. You're devastated. Now, you have to understand for Joshua. Joshua has transitioned as the leader for these people. Uh, he was younger. Uh, God chose him. There wasn't a popular ballot. God chose him to be the leader as God chose for our church, Pastor Lloyd, who's done an exceptional job. And God chose a younger man in Joshua. And God has made him the leader. Now, you know you know how people are. And some people probably said, well, you know, he's a good boy. He's not Moses. I don't think he'll ever be Moses. You know, he doesn't preach like Moses. You know, he's okay. I, I think he's got a good heart for God. But, you know, he's just, I don't think he's ever going to be a Moses. And then others would say, well, you know, Look, I respect God's choice, but he's awfully young. You know, you wonder how much life experience he's had, really, to take on a ministry like this. And people say things. And, 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 and when there's a transition of leadership, you know, even, even, even when they don't say it outwardly, they can just think it inwardly. And so you've had Joshua has transitioned to the leadership here. And, you know, I suspect that there were some nerves present when he took the mantle of leadership. And I suspect that because of the prolonged assurances of God in the early chapter. Where God keeps saying to him, look, I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. 
uh, just do this, just do this. You know, Moses is gone. You're the one. Uh, and God even went so far as to say, I'm going to magnify you in front of the people. Joshua, I'll lift you up. I'll make you the leader that they need. And so, so Joshua has stepped up to the plate. He's accepted the call of God on his life. He's taken on the ministry to do the thing that God would have him to do. He may could have done other things in his life. He maybe could have taken an easier road or an easier option or a better paying option. But he's accepted the call of God on his life. And he's accepted the ministry that God has put before him. And he's there because he has a heart for the ministry. He has a heart to do the thing of God. And then, you know, this thing happens. And this is just just a real set a real blow to him firstly because a ministry setback is firstly a personal setback you're the leader and uh, and you know when the ministry makes gains it's a gain for the ministry but people also credit your leadership and they recognize you led us through that and that that's not that's not a pride based thing you know god said to joshua i'm going to magnify you a leader has to be a leader and a leader, God understands that. And God understands if you're going to lead, you have to have some wins. And so, so God does some things. And when God blesses you on the mission field or God blesses you in your business or God blesses your ministry, you know, God's hand has done that. And God has blessed you and you get something out of that. But listen, when something goes wrong, when there's a setback, and it's not a private setback, This thing is public. The whole church knows about it. And it fuels those who had some doubts already. Well, I said he was too young. I said that. I don't think Moses ever would have had this happen to him. Mm. And so a setback like this is firstly, it's a ministry setback, but it hurts you. And it's okay to be honest about that. We hurt when the work of God takes a hit for any reason. And then I want you to see that you not only hurt because it's a personal setback, but you hurt because you care about the work of God. You know, when things happen that hinder the ministry or or set back the work of God, I don't believe any of you are in the thing that you do for yourself. And if there's anyone like that, it's going to be a very small percent. Most of you could do something else if you wanted to. Almost every one of you, without exception, has paid a price to come into the ministry. Now, I know your attitude is, I feel honored that God has even chosen me. I was a worm the dust of the earth, and for God to even use me is beyond my... And I understand, and that is the right attitude. But you're here because you have a love for the work of God. You have a love for souls. You have a love for the people of God. You wouldn't be where you are if you didn't have that. And so when your ministry takes a a hit, a setback, I'm not talking about a little thing. This is a significant event. This dominates this chapter. And it hurts. 
And it hurts because you care about the ministry. And the third reason, first of all, a ministry setback is a personal setback. Secondly, it, it hurts you because it hurts the work of God. Thirdly, it hurts you because it hurts people in your ministry. And that may be what hurts you the most. I think you hurt for yourself the least. But you hurt when the work of God takes a setback. And you hurt when good people are affected by this. And when you read this, 36 families were profoundly affected by this thing. Thirty-six families never had dad come home that night. Thirty-six families with, 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 uh, kids and, and likely, you know, wife and extended family were in mourning and grief. Likely thirty-six young men were cut down. And you know, When people hurt, really hurt, it's a very small step to want to blame somebody. The next step is to identify a cause to enlist in to ease your grief. And you see that. You understand what I'm saying? My son was killed in this road accident. Therefore, it will be my lifelong cause to lobby the government that this freeway is fixed. And in that in, in that cause, I find some easing of my grief. You understand? This happened to my child. I don't want this to happen to any other child. I'm starting this organization. All right. That's another message another time. But the step is when people are hurting, it's not a big jump now to start blaming somebody. And what I'm saying is, When you identify as the leader here, when your ministry takes a big hit and you have to, you have to stand up before people. When, when you've got people in your ministry hurting because this thing has happened, it hurts you. And then the fourth hurt that comes is you hurt how your ministry is now going to be viewed by those outside. Okay, the steps. A ministry setback is a personal setback. There's some hurt in that. A ministry setback is a setback to the work of God. That hurts. You care about the work of God. A ministry setback hurts people. That really hurts. Because you love your people. I love our, I love our people. I love our people. I eat with them. I sleep with them. I... I I hurt with them, I go to the hospital with them, I bury their dead, I, I love our people. And nothing makes me rejoice more than when our people rejoice. That's, that's all the rejoicing I need. But when they hurt, I hurt. I hurt. You know, it's like when your kids hurt. You know, you wish it could be you and not them. And when you love your people and things happen to your people, you wish it was you and not them. And all of this has happened to Joshua now. And here he is, the new leader who was called and does have the mantle of God. And there were some perhaps who had some doubts. 
and it started well, and now this thing has happened, and, and he's got to listen. You know, you understand something about people in the East. When they grieve, they don't do it silently. You understand that? They wail. They make loud noises. And here he is, he's got to live in his tent and he's got to listen to the wailings and the, and the mourning and the weeping and it's, it's, it's not, I mean it's very public. You've seen funerals on the TV of, that have occurred in those parts of the country and it is, it is very public. And here's Joshua now as the leader trying to accept responsibility for all that's happened here. It wasn't his doing. It wasn't his fault, but he is the leader. And the ministry that God has placed him over has now taken a substantial hit. Now, the leader will see the implications before others do. You ever had something happen in your ministry or on your work, on your field, and somebody, they're well-meaning, and they will try to comfort you, and they might say something like this, it's okay, Pastor, it's just one family. It's just, Pastor, it's only one family. We have many more. Pastor, it's okay. You know, we have, we have more on the church staff than just this one. It's only one. You see, but you're the leader, and you know, no, 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 it's not just one. It's not just one. This thing has affected the whole ministry. It isn't just 36 out of hundreds of thousands. It's 36 families, but this has affected the whole... Everybody has been touched by this. And the leader is the one who can see the full implications. That's why you're the leader, because you have the eyes to see it. And you understand that this setback in ministry is not confined to just this thing. And that's why you can have fear about what's going to happen. And other people, and I say this, I don't mean this is a condescending statement, but other people a little perhaps more simple-minded, they say, I don't understand what you're concerned about. Pastor, it's just one family. Pastor, this is a handful of families. It's nothing. We can grow again. And, and they're well-meaning, but they just, they just see the immediate. But you're looking at the bigger picture. Pastor, these people have left us. It's okay. We can get other people who will support us. No, no, you don't understand. And the leader will see what's, what's going on. And the leader will understand. And Joshua feared the long-term implications. You understand that? Joshua, this fear for Joshua was not just, okay, 36 men. Remember in chapter 5 and verse 1, what had happened was, and I'm going to read that verse in chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over. Now, this is the, this is the, the statement that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. And that was good for the children of Israel. That was good for the ministry. That was very good for Joshua to know that. Because what had happened was the enemies... The people who are trying to destroy your ministry, 
The people who want you gone and everything that has to do with the work of God and you gone. When those people are in fear, when those people are standing back saying, I have no heart to contend with you. I have, I have no strength inwardly to fight you. Because I've seen what God has done and I, I feel weak before you. And that's a very good place for a good leader to stand in when the enemies are like that. But now Joshua's fear is all this is going to be undone. It's, it's not, it's not just the setback for us. It's not just the time this cost us. It's not just what this does to my leadership. It's not just 36 families. It's the implications of what this means to this whole process of taking this land. And now I've got, I've got nations around us everywhere. They're going to hear about this. And before they feared us and before they saw the hand of God was on us, before they felt weak, now my fear is they're going to be empowered. They're going to be strong. In every ministry, in every work, on every field, we'll have enemies who wait silently. You have them. They're not strong enough to do anything now. They know God's hand is on you. They don't feel empowered to contend with you now. But they're waiting for a moment, a weakness, an opportunity. Then they rise up. And Joshua understands this. And he's concerned about the implications of the ministry. He's concerned what's going to happen. Let me say this. Ministry setbacks happen in every ministry, no matter where you are. I can tell you what happens. When I sit down and do a prayer letter, which is not nearly as often as I should. When I Thank you. When I sit down and do a prayer letter, I start to say some things. And you know what my fear is? I'm going to send that letter out, and by the time the next one is due, everything that I just said has come undone. And then I'll send the next one out and say, uh, so-and-so who was with us is not here anymore. Please pray for him. And I'll send that out. And I've done that. So what happened in the third letter? He came back again, but I didn't tell anyone. I thought, I can't keep doing this. But, you, but you, you know, I'm saying that wherever you do the work of God, these, these setbacks happen. And you get concerned about the implications of what this means as a leader. And Joshua was that way. Now, a ministry setback, when it happens to you, will always be caused by people. Now, you say, Satan's at work. I understand that, but what you will visibly see will be a people thing. You don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but what you will see will be the flesh and blood. And because every ministry of the Lord is about people, supposed to be, if it's not, you're off track somewhere. You understand that? For God so loved the world, that means the people of the world. Ministry is about people. 
And if it's not about, if it's not about people, it's not, it's not right. It, everything God does is about people. When God's finished working with people, this earth will finish. It's here for us. When God's done with people, he'll be done with everything. So everything in your ministry is, it's about people. Now, I'm not saying, it's about God, but I'm saying God is about people. You understand what I'm saying? It's about serving God, but you understand the heart of God is the people. It's about reaching the lost and seeing souls won and lives changed. And people living in a way that glorifies God. So it's about people. So a ministry setback will be caused by somebody. And some of you are thinking, not somebody, I can write the name. I know who it is. And we've all had that happen. This ministry setback had a name associated with it. And every ministry that, that there's a setback, when you take a hit like that, there's going to be people involved somewhere. Jesus, remember, Jesus said, have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil? Now, I don't think Jesus was in fear like Joshua probably was, and I don't think, you know, Jesus understood things, but when you look at that earthly when you, when you look at an outsider's view of that and they're saying, boy, you know, he chose 12, but he got one of them wrong. Boy, he made a mistake there. And he didn't. Knew what he was doing. All prophecy would be fulfilled. But you understand, when you're looking at it, the impl- those who look on the outsides, well, no. he got that wrong. Gee, you thought he would have seen that. After three and a half years of being that close, thought he would have thought he would have picked that up. Mm. He knew. He wasn't ignorant. But you know what? Sometimes we are. Sometimes we don't see what he sees. Sometimes we don't see because it's not revealed. Sometimes the process that God is going to work in you is going to have to come through somebody else. And he's going to use them for that. And he doesn't want you to see that until it happens. So you have a ministry setback caused by people. This one was caused by Aiken. And uh, it's probably happened to every church. Every church? Every church. He said, our church? So well, it's coming. I almost feel like rejoicing when I get the phone call that he had a church split. No, I, I don't really, but, but I, I won't. I won't do it. But uh, I'll resist it when he calls me and says, Pastor Shemish, we are having a problem. I want to say, I told you, but I won't. But 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 it's happened in many places. I'm talking about. Somebody on the staff that you put in a position of authority, and I'm going to use the word power in your church, your ministry, on your mission field, in your business, you promoted them. You put them up before everybody else. 
you as the leader started the process of empowering another leader. You gave them the moments before the people. You, you gave them the opportunities. You said positive things about them. You wanted to encourage the brethren to believe in their leadership. You did it. And then that one turns against you. And it hits the ministry and you worry about the families that it's going to affect. And to the some people, they'll use it to raise questions about you and your leadership. And some of even your friends will say, well, I told you I wouldn't have put him on. Well, thank you. This is very comforting at this present moment. Who else wants to say, I told you so? Come on in. Who else wants to tell me where I went wrong and what you would have done if you were me? It doesn't help you when it's happening. An important family leaves your ministry or walks away from you. I remember when that happened to me. I remember when the most prominent family in the church left in a very public way. I remember seeing the letter slid under my office door, pulling the envelope out. There was nothing on the front, but I knew what it was before I even opened it. And then it started. The people being invited over for dinner to their home. The people who were for you in the church, but had some doubts, start visiting there. And you know what they're being told. And they're never being told the whole story. And you walk out to your people and you get that look and nobody will see it. Nobody picks it up like a pastor. Pastor has eyes to see the eyes. You can see it in the kids of your members. And you know, you know what's going on in private places. And it can happen. And your ministry is going to be set back. And you're going to be hurt for many reasons. Or a bad thing happens in your church. It might be just between some members in your church. It's not you. It's not your family. But you're the leader. And someone's going to find a reason to say why you didn't stop that happening. I told you you didn't preach against television enough. I told you you didn't do enough sermons on adultery. That's why this has happened. And you get the blame for something you had nothing to do with. And this thing is now going to send ripples throughout your people. And you have to deal with that. And before the church was focused and excited on conquering new territory, and now everybody's become very introvert and inward-looking. And now's not a good time to talk about the new building 
or the new steps we're going to take. You've taken a hit. It's a setback in the ministry. It happens everywhere. There's not a missionary it hasn't happened to. Please don't say me. It's happened to me. Please don't say that. There's not a ministry. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to give you the what do you do and then I'm going to finish. Number one, firstly, you go to God about it. God is your first stop. Now, I suggest you don't rush in and try to fix something without going to God first. I suggest before you pick up the telephone to talk to somebody else, you get on your face before God. And you go to God. All right. Now, other people, when you tell them, they might be surprised. Really? God will not be surprised. God knows about this. God knew this was coming. God has heard every secret conversation. God is present everywhere. And God's ready for you to come. God put you in your ministry. God made you the leader, Joshua. God spelled out the plan. And it's okay. God's waiting for you to come. So you firstly, you have to go to God. And you and you know what Joshua did? I said this to my son on the phone the other day. I said, son, you need to be praying. Dad, I'm praying. I said, yeah, but when you finish praying, when you finish talking, can you just sit and be quiet? And he said, why, Dad? I said, but probably God wants to say something to you. But you've got to take time to listen. Okay, I'm still, I'm settled. I've said everything I want to say to God. I'm ready. Lord, what is it you want to say to me? What am I to do? So how long do you wait? As long as you need to. You go to a ball game and you sit there for hours. You hit that little white round one around the golf course for I don't know how long. You go fishing and you've got the patience of Job. But you pray, you didn't hear from God in five minutes, so now you'll take matters into your own hands. So you go to God and you wait on God. And you've got to get the mind of God. And if a leader can't get the mind of God in times like this, you are in trouble. And then the second thing you do is you include other leaders in this burden. I'm not saying you ring up and you tell the whole story. I just believe this, and you can decide for yourself. I took the approach, when I lead a ministry, I am not going to defend myself. I'm not going to stand up and plead my case. I'm not going to do that. My view is, if you don't know me already, if if my heart has not been transparent to you, if you don't know who I am by now, nothing I say is going to change that. If you really believe I've done what they're saying, then you believe it. I I have people now using my name, posting all over the internet. Not in their name. Not about me. They're using my name. They're posting all this stuff and they're signing off Dr. Wayne Shemish. And they're saying all kinds of things. They're saying every Muslim should be shot and quartered and, and uh, they're saying all kinds of things. They're causing me grief in Thailand. They're endangering my family. 
say, what can you do about that? I can't do anything about it. There's nothing I can do. Just sicken my stomach a little more about the internet. I think the internet is 90% bad. Nothing I can do. So what do you do? I just have to go to God. I'm not going to plead my case. I'm not going to open up a website and say, look, there's, there's all these people. I could name them, by the way. I feel like doing that. I feel like saying these people who are posting in my name, here's their name and here's their address. And if you're a Muslim and you've been offended by what they've said to you, you can visit them at this location. <laughs> and here's their phone number. And by the way, they work here and here's the times they'll be out on the road. I could do that. I'm not going to do that. You say, but what if some people believe that that's you? Well, there's nothing I can do. If you if you think that's me, if you don't know me by now, then that's what you can think. So when something happens, I'm not saying you involve other leaders because you want to plead your case. I'm saying that God has put some people around you to help you carry your burden. You understand? Now, I, I don't believe in a multi-headed leadership. I think anything with more than one head is a monster. I believe in one head. One head in the home. One head in the church. I believe the pastor is the, is the authority in the local church. I call my pastor, pastor. And I yield myself to his authority. You say, isn't that dangerous? Not if you trust God and you believe in the word of God. There's nothing dangerous about anything God does. You, you say, but do you, do you, do you, do you think, do you think he's smart enough? Do you, do you think he's, think he's wise enough to lead you? You think you're smarter than your wife? You know if it came to brains, she'd be the leader, not you. You think you're fit to lead your home? You're just the leader because God said you are. And she has to trust that, that God can work even through you. And you have to trust the leader. So what I'm saying is that God will give you other people. They're around you to help you. My tendency is to want to keep everything to myself. But some things I need to share. We've had things happen in Thailand. We had it happen when I was pastoring. Where I might just bring in a couple of select leaders and say, just sit down. My heart's heavy. This thing has happened. I might have could have handled it different. I, I don't know. We... We maybe should have had people policing this thing better so that nobody could have taken the accursed thing. I don't know if we should have checked people's bags when they came back to the camp. I might have failed at that. I'm, you know, I look back and I wonder what could I have done. I don't know if I could have done anything. But this is hurting all our people and I'm fearful of the future, what it's going to do. A John type. Pastor, Ajahn, what do you want us to do? Can you just pray with me? Would you just would you just pray with me? Can we meet again tomorrow?
I just, I just need to know that someone else knows about this, not just me. I just, I just need to know. I'll lead you, and I'll, and I'll, I'll bear the burden, and I'll, I'll, I'll carry what I can. But just sometimes, I just need to know that somebody else is in this as well. And you have some leaders around you, selected people that you need to bring in on this when your ministry takes a big setback like that. And say, so, look, this has happened. Spiritual people. These people weren't talking; they were praying. They were sitting with dust on their heads before God. And that's the kind of people you want when this thing happens. There should be some people now that you know, if I call these people, if I tell them, they will pray. You need some people like that. You might form some friendships here that turn out to be like that. I met somebody at McDonald's over a cup of coffee. Turned out to be a divine intersection. I met somebody at Starbucks over a cup of coffee in Bangkok. Turned out to be a divine intersection. I've stopped drinking coffee now. I'm fearful I'm not going to meet anyone anymore. But God will bring people to you. And you have people around you that you can pray with when this happens. Okay, next thing, let's move to finish. Deal with what you need to do now and then move on with the program. All right, something has happened. There's been a setback. People are hurting. You can't undo anything that's gone before. You listening to me? You probably will replay this over in your mind a dozen times. You probably will go through this again and again thinking, what could I have done? And there may be need for reflection at a later point. You may have to think that through. But now, the pain is there, the hurt is there, people are hurting, you've shared this with your leaders, you've waited on God, you've sought the mind of God, and God has said to you, all right, you have to do this thing now. Now do this thing. And it might be a hard thing. I don't know if you've ever passed, if you've ever had to say to a family, I need you to leave. No shepherd wants to do that. No shepherd in the heart of a shepherd wants to tell a sheep to go. If they're injured, you want to help them. If they're sick, you want to fix it. You want to do what you can do. That's your heart. But if God has said they need to go, You may have to do a hard thing. And you're not a good leader if you won't do the hard things. And I don't think what Joshua did was an easy thing to do. And there were some things he had to do with Achan. And he did it. And the whole church was involved. And everybody understood. I don't think it was prolonged. I don't think he preached a series of sermons about it. But I think he just explained to people, this has occurred. This is what we've done. This has hurt all of us. We all feel sad. But we have land to conquer. And we're going to go on. And it might take some people longer than others to recover. 
but you move on. So why? You're the leader. You're the one God chose. You've got the mind of God. You do what you need to do. Now, the thing of this is, and this is the encouraging conclusion, it doesn't matter what setback occurs to your ministry. God is bigger than all of that. You understand that when God, when God put you in the ministry, when God put you in the mission field, when God gave you that business that you're using for him, when God did that, God knew it wasn't going to be all smooth sailing. You understand that? God was aware when he decided he's going to bless you that some, some, some things are going to, you're going to take a hit sometimes. But God is bigger than that. The plan of God for your work has not changed. The plan of God for your ministry is not, is not different than it was before this happened. And God will resource you to do what you need to do. You understand, I lost 36 tithing families. God can send more. The plan of God has not changed. You don't understand, a whole lot of people in the community have doubts about us now. God is bigger than that. By the way, this ministry is testimony to that, if you know the story of this ministry. I don't want to put words in his mouth and I don't want to, I don't want to say anything out of school here, but I, I recall, I think, if I remember correctly, that I had Dr. Hile say to me that he, his, his counsel was to close it down. I think, I don't want to put, but I recall that conversation. I had other preachers say to me, my view was it should have shut down. Brother Fisher, just move on somewhere else. This was never going to work. But God was bigger. The plan of God was bigger. Here's what God will do. God will limit the fallout. This is a very important statement. The measure of the consequences will not be determined by the event, but they will be determined by God. God will measure. God will determine how far this can go. And your worst fears will probably not be realized. You know, Joshua's fear was this. Here's what he said in verse number nine. You know, everybody's going to hear about this and they're all going to come against us. All of my enemies are going to rise up. Everybody who's been waiting to take a swing at us is going to do it. The people who already were doubtful about my leadership, all of this is now going to erupt and we're finished, we're done. And that's when men want to quit. When you feel like a present setback has ruined any hope for the future, that's when you want to leave. You feel like this thing has its finished us. We're done. I might as well leave. I might as well go home. Uh, what am I going to do? Might as, well let, might as well step aside. When you think this thing. But none of those things are realized because God holds back the tide. Why? Because it's the work of God. Nobody's going to snuff out the work of God like that. So, but the leader's hurting. He is. The people are hurting. They are. But you're all going to come through this. And you're all going to be wiser and stronger. And you are going to see God do what he said he was going to do. The program of God is bigger. Go on with the work. The people will recover over time. 
And probably this ministry setback has humbled you. And the more public it is, the more humbling it is. Maybe this ministry setback has weakened you, but in the right kind of weakening. Never mistake your weakness for God's weakness. You may be weaker, but God will be stronger. This thing that has happened has given you additional wisdom. You learn something college didn't teach. You've gone through something and you've learned a lot. And the last thing is this positive is that people are going to see your ability to lead even when these things happen, come back out of it, go back to AI, replan the campaign and win and go on having more wins. And people are going to look at you and say, you know what, that was a hard time, but I have even more respect for Pastor now, the way he led us through that. He's not just a leader in the good times. I have more trust in him. I have more confidence in his ability to hear from God, the way he led us through that. It just makes me see more what a man of God he really is. And it grows and bonds your people together in even a stronger way than they were before. So maybe it's wrong to call it a ministry setback. But that's what it is for a while. And what do you do? You do what Joshua did. I've learned something in Thailand. You know, people say, is it hot where you live? It's about 48 degrees in hour, and it's high, high humidity. And I say to people, yes, it's a little piece of hell right there in Thailand. And I say that jokingly. But let me tell you something. Where we are, and, I, and everybody has their story, but it feels like we're at the seat of Satan. We have ties raise their eyebrows when we tell them where we are. But God put us there, and great things are going to happen to the glory of God. I'm sure of that. You have some setbacks, but I've learned this. God always wins. God always wins. It might seem Satan has won for a season. It might seem that bad people seem to get away with some things. God always wins. And God will win with you and your ministry. And the glory of God will come out. Let's have a word of prayer. But for sure, I'm done. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for teaching us in the life of Joshua. Help us to remember these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, preacher.